our most favorite show, the Midday Conversation African Insight DSTV channel 888 and we are South Africa's Diplomacy in Action. Uh, you can catch us if you're not on DSTV and you're joining us from online, that's at www.ubuntu.com. Uh, welcome to you and welcome to um, everyone that has joined us. So good to be back. It's yet another week of interesting developments. Uh, let us know what happened where you are. Hashtag uh, Midday Conversation AI on the social media, particularly on Twitter. Uh, do engage with us on Ubuntu Radio ZA in all the social media platforms. We'll be able to respond and engage with you. Uh, as I said, my name is Vusi Maupa, and this show is put together by Mbegazeli Mazibugo, uh, who's our producer, uh, with Sean Mlaudzi on the technical side of things, uh, making sure that things are going well as they are meant to. And this is yet another show where we have interesting things. And uh, maybe before I tell you about interesting things, what we have, uh, let's take a quick break when we come. Just going to give you a clue of what we're looking at for the day. This is Midday Conversation, African Insight. What is Africa? Is it the wildlife, the beautiful coasts, thriving cities? It is more than that. It is the people. Our 55 countries have many things in common. Our cultures bind us together. They give us strength and identity. They make us proud. By sharing our knowledge and working together, we're building a new Africa that's driven by investments, by game-changing infrastructure projects, and using transformative technology to change the way we live, work, and conduct business. Using our largest natural resource, our vast arable land, we are making advances in agriculture, developing new industries, creating jobs and improving livelihoods. Together, we are moving forward on economic integration. By consolidating Africa's significant internal market to foster trade within the continent and with the world, Africa is open for business. We are building the Africa we want. So, what is the continent of the future? The answer is Africa. Welcome back and thank you for staying with us on the Midday Conversation African Insight. This is uh, Ubuntu Radio uh, that you are tuning to. What caught your eyes this week uh, for us in South Africa? Um, yesterday, we just uh, around the uh, mid-afternoon, around three, we had the news of the Reserve Bank hiking yet again uh, the repo rate, the repurchase rate by 50 basis points. Uh, now the repo rate will increase to 8.25%. Uh, the prime lending rate will be 11.75%. Uh, it's quite a pain in the pocket of many consumers. Uh, if you have that mortgage loan or you have account credit, this is going to go straight to your pocket. And uh, yeah, what caught your eye this week? Let us know on hashtag Midday Conversation African Insight AI. Let us know what caught your conversation this week so we could see uh, the world that you're living on. Today, we have a very interesting show that as we always do. Um, first, you're going to have a chat with our uh, interesting guest, um, uh, Sia Bonga Shange uh, has joined us on studio to talk about interesting stuff about infrastructure and then how does it impact you and how does it impact development of Africa, uh, your country, as well as the economy at large. We'll later on, as we normally do, some market insights from our economist, a much job especially uh, that will be joining us online to give us the insight on African market before moving on to giving you some historical knowledge around what happened in history this week or today. Uh, then we'll close the show and that's what we have if pretty much for you on the show if it's your first time on this show i'll let you know that this show is not a gossip show um we don't do interviews uh, just so that siabonga can settle in nicely uh, we have conversations so this show is a wellspring of uh, african uh, economic news and uh, knowledge to our citizens, investors, if you're a business executive, civil society leaders and public officials, uh, we commit to giving you news that is latest on financial and economic developments. We 
aim, at least try our best to give you a thorough analysis of economic and social development uh, in Africa and across uh, the world. We also give you a try to assess and interrogate some of the risks that emanate from the discussions that we have and that affect our economy and the financial sector that we do. So we try by all means to give you all this um, without any bias and you decide what you do with the information. And this segment of the show is no different to that. Um, we're going to discuss, as I said, infrastructure developments in Africa, particularly focusing on the significance of infrastructure development and investment allocations across different infrastructures. We will further look at... Um, the development uh, projections in infrastructure in Africa um, at large. Uh, and uh, we'll join this endless conversation by our uh, guest, as I said, Sia Bonga Shange. Uh, just a bit about Sia. Um, you might have met him on the social media or listened to uh, some of his contributions in one of the conferences. But Sia Bonga is uh, an exceptional uh, or experienced finance analyst with a de demonstrated history of working in government debt, uh, that is debt issuance and risk management. Uh, Siabonga is skilled in banking economics uh, or econometrics, uh, macroeconomics, equities and capital markets. Uh, he has a strong finance professional background with BCom in uh, monetary economics uh, focused on, of course, economics from the University of Johannesburg and a BCom in economics honors. Uh, that is a postgraduate qualification from the University of South Africa, uh, one of the biggest universities uh, in Africa. In fact, I think it's the biggest university in Africa. Anyway, I'm not here to talk about UNISA, University of South Africa. <coughs> I'm here to talk to you. Let's have a conversation about your infrastructure. But before that, maybe let's let our listeners into your world. I know now before coming here on the studio, thank you for joining us on the studio. By the way, uh, you had meetings across. How does a life of a, a finance analyst or a treasury manager in a corporate world, how does the life of, of, of that person look like? What do you do? Yeah, um, we we actually have we have interesting problems, uh, and and normally they are in one extreme or the other. You either have no mo no money or you have too much money, uh, <laughs> and that is now a, a problem in its own because yeah. that means infrastructure is not being delivered. When you have too much money, that means money is not being rolled out to the infrastructure that is required. But when you don't have money, that means again you can't afford to build the infrastructure that is required. So we we always have a dilemma of of. Um, quite an interesting problem. And just to give a bit of, of background and history on myself, uh, having served a few years in the National Treasury, I'm currently at the South African National Roads Agency, sure. where we basically fund and procure the building of road infrastructure, the strategic road infrastructure. Uh, and we have some networks that sits under um, the top portfolio, which is concession and directly held by Sunlaw. And the biggest portfolio uh, by kilometers and uh, is actually the non-tall portfolio, mm. which is that is funded through um, through grants, which is the allocation from national government, which actually is one of the core uh, contributors to the well-being of people in society. Is that why that causes people to fight? Is it etols when you take funded through grants? <laughs> is there a relation <laughs> yeah. there? Yeah. So 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 there is basically two models, right? So there is one which you'll view as social welfare, which is making sure that the truck that delivers the bread uh, gets to the granny in, the, in, in a township mm. easier, quicker, yeah. and cheaper, which basically translates directly into the cost of that bread. Yeah. But then there is also the road infrastructure, which is obviously high volume, uh, and you look at that in terms of the economic contribution, and you assess, you say, look, the user pay principle makes sense because if we put this in a levy, uh, then it starts affecting the poor. Sure. So you then try to balance development uh, together with, uh, to some degree, fairness, taking into account the different uh, economic conditions. Mm. So when you put things for argument's sake in a levy, in a few levy, uh, one, the people as a portion of their income that are going to be highly affected is the poor. Mm. Uh, two is the people that drive older cars and who drives the older cars generally the poor they're less fuel efficient yeah. and this is basically trying to ensure a certain level of fairness but also ensuring that 
the infrastructure is there. That is now from a top perspective, from a strategic uh, road network. Yeah. But we also do need uh, those uh, roads where they are, quote-unquote, under the non-top, which are a basic necessity, which means uh, to get from home to a hospital takes you 30 minutes versus every three hours because you need a hospital. The simplest way to get there is having a good road as opposed to possibly building another hospital very close to your house. Mm, mm. That, that's quite important, Zia. And uh, <clears throat> I think it's the job you do there is quite important. And I'll, I'll tell you because, I mean, if you look at, at how important is infrastructure in facilitating um, <coughs> or as a facilitator for productivity and long-term economic growth, and I'm talking in Africa, and I, again, um, as a fundamental driver for success on the continent, I mean, we it can be South Africa, it can be abroad. But it also, I think it substantially contributes to the cocoa that you mentioned, um, you know, to human development. Uh, it, it contributes to the uh, poor that you mentioned, to to eradicating poverty, if you like, and also achieving some of the economic and social goals that um, each country have. And I think over, if you look um, over, I think, half of Africa's recent infrastructure development, um, it's... Oh, development in general is attributed to infrastructure investment. Um, there was a paper by the World Bank uh, that quoted Kenya and, and, and Ethiopia <coughs> as where you have employees that have mostly moved out of the low productivity um, agriculture, uh, the farming and doing all, all the things that agriculture people would do into industries and services as a result of having paved roads that you spoke about. Uh, so, so I think it, it, it's quite an important thing um, when you look at how the work that you do with Central to making sure that there is this eradication of poverty and there is these people that are being um, uplifted in their, in their livelihoods. And I, I want you to, to have a thought around that and you know, how to, to, to think about how important do you think our infrastructure is in South Africa, in Africa, and how does it contribute in detail, if you like, to solving some of the challenges that uh, I mentioned, especially helping some of our communities in in the in the in, in Africa uh, at large. But let's take a quick break and Siabonga will be back with us, giving us some good nuggets on the conversation that you're going to have uh, with uh, him. This is the midday conversation, African Insight, Ubuntu Radio. It's Sek Bin Bush. Sek Bin Bush. All over your radio. This is Pastime Paradise. You get the best of my love for the rest of my life. Tea connection. Now, still to come, we have the part-time paradise uh, power play, and today, our uh, feature the mystery artist of the day is back. So, I'm gonna be giving you clues as to who our mystery artist of the day is, and you tell me who this artist is, right? <laughs> but for now, I'm gonna be playing you two songs: one South African, one American. The baseline is almost the same. So you tell me, you tell me if South African music is not the best. Yes, Papa Machene, I'm still in love with you. Pastime Paradise, Sundays, 12 to 3 p.m. Central African Time. We just couldn't make Welcome back and thank you so much for joining us. Still, if you're joining us on DSTV, it's a DSTV channel 888 um, that you can log in there in case your internet data runs out. But if you're on DSTV and you feel like joining us online, that is www.ubuntu.com. That's where you can engage with us. The hashtag on social media is hashtag MiddayConversationAI and tag the Ubuntu Radio ZA on all the social media platforms. So good to be with you on a beautiful Friday afternoons in South Africa. We're coming you for, to you from Pretoria in our headquarters in Tswane. That's the capital city of Pretoria. Joining us, as I said, in studio, it's Siabonga Ashange, uh, having a nice conversation about the role of infrastructure and how it affects our livelihoods in the, as individual, as uh, communities, as a country, and of course, as a continent at large. Thank you so much for, once again, uh, Siabonga, for staying with us. And before the end break, we spoke about the importance of infrastructure. And I asked you to have your thoughts around um, the critical role that it plays in, in our communities. Yeah. So, so I think 
first we need to dissect and look at what an economy is. Uh, simply put, an economy is confidence. So that is a conf confidence that things are going right. Confidence that when you put money away, you will get it back. Mm. Confidence that when you invest in a business, it will grow. That is basically an economy. And then I go and say, um, cranes build confidence. Cranes as in? As in those big equipment that you see wherever they are coming and building infrastructure. They build confidence. They build confidence. And that is basically where the economy is. Because now it tends to be a symbol of growth. It becomes a symbol of development. It becomes a, a, a symbol of economic livelihood or liveliness, mm. right? So there's actually quite an interesting paper written by Peter Perkins. Uh, it's called The Role of Economic Infrastructure in Economic Growth, Building on Experience. I think I saw it in the Helen Sussman Foundation. He actually says infrastructure may be compared to the foundation of a building. So when there is proper infrastructure on the, uh, on the ground, yeah. and this has been identified by different, you know, DFIs, which is the NDB, AFDB, the World Bank, DSA. By the, by, by the DFI, we mean the development financial, uh, financial institutions. institutions. Yeah, say infrastructure is, is quite a very key element to any economic growth. And they would look at things like, you know, energy, which is the energy sector, energy um, uh, stability. They would look at water and sanitation, transport, ICT, and the social sector. So looking at all of these things as the foundation and the base to which good confidence can be built, that confidence allows the investor to look at it and say, look, if I put my money there, hmm. it looks like I'll get it back. And uh, the more of these positive attitude comes towards an institution or a country, that is basically what we call economic growth. It leads to more jobs. It leads, you know, to possibly more housing coming through the place, which actually also, it, it's a snowball effect. It's a snowball effect. Sure. But one, you need to be able to access the place. So you need to have roads to get there. Two, you need to have water. Three, you need to have electricity. That is now talking to what we call the foundation infrastructure that is required to actually build this economy and build this confidence and allow for the country to thrive. Mm. And, and look, investors would, as you say, would look at the country and say, I'll get my money back and they have confidence, right? Uh, you, you have then um, in July last year, is it 2021 or last year? We, I think it's 2021 when we had a riot and infrastructure was destroyed. If you look at some of the harbors in, in KZN, <coughs> that is Guazul Natal in Devon, infrastructure was destroyed there. Something you say that is confidence. Mm -hmm. So in effect, people are destroying confidence <laughs> that, that has been built um, uh, for investors to come. You know, quite ironic, but it's a reality that we live in. And this is not foreign to South Africa. We want to protest. We, um, we destroy uh, South Africa and elsewhere. And uh, that's, that's a human element of it. On the same time, whilst we were still trying to figure that out, we had big, big rains and floods that destroyed the very same confidence or infrastructure that investors uh, are looking for. And this then leaves a question to one's mind, what message does such actions, both human-initiated actions as well as um, the environmental factors, uh, which, if you argued in detail, could also be linked to human um, uh, interventions due to pollution and, and stuff. But what message does that send to the investors, uh, talking about the confidence that you, you highlighted? Yeah. Look, uh, uh, actually, the, the second point is actually quite interesting. The climate change is a big thing. And all these natural disasters that we've seen from KZN all the way to Eastern Cape have actually been, to some degree, pointed to uh, the source as being climate change. Sure. And I think it, it, it brings a critical point where we need to assess uh, how we behave uh, as uh, not just South Africa, but the whole country, and especially the big contributors to carbon emissions, in terms of how <clears throat> they basically interact with, the, with Mother Nature. Yeah. Uh, and, and basically that then becomes also quite a very interesting balancing act, specifically if you want to look at energy uh, stability that we've, we've had. <laughs> We're going to uh, come to that. We're going to talk <laughs> yeah. about energy. And let's exhaust yeah. this one of, yeah. of, of, of in the, the roads and, and stuff being destroyed. Yeah. yeah. So, so look, that, that, that obviously sets us back. Um, it becomes, you know, one step forward, three step backwards. 
but it it is something that you know brings a conversation into uh, the sustainability of how we behave into the environment going forward. But on, on the protest, um, there, there was an analogy that you know the South African poverty and unemployment uh, is actually a ticking time bomb. And somebody stated that it's actually not a time bomb, it's time bombs. And one of those bombs actually went off in those uh, those unrest. So the hand, the hand grenades that are yeah. uh, stored there and thrown one by one. Yes, and, and unfortunately, as time continues, it seems that these you know upra- you know explosions could you know get potentially worse. And, and I think it also speaks to basically the structure of the economy. It pl- speaks to the what we've seen. I think mostly urbanization and over concentration. Of, of of people in in a specific town you'd see that would be mainly you see the, the the violence was not spread too wide it was in terms of the different provinces but it was in the highly densely populated uh, areas mm. and, and if you can see the very um you know evident um economic conditions of the places where that happened then you can kind of somewhat trace back to that time bomb that was being referred to yeah so Another model one looks at is obviously let's look at the development of roads, look at how instead of centralizing everything into one place where we actually have small cities well scattered. Uh, I mean, I think Germany has been slightly going throughout towards that model where instead of having a capital city and where everyone comes towards, uh, you know, Twane, we, we have, you know, outskirts uh, where big businesses are situated um, in slightly smaller towns. Is that reverse urbanization? Technically, in a sense, it is. Mm. And the one very key infrastructure that you need to be able to do that or to make that a possibility is good roads and good transportation because it ensures that even if the place is an extra 40 k's away uh, i can just wake up drive on a decent road park my car somewhere and get on a train get to the place and come back so we do not all necessarily have to be in one place and it also even allows for the purchasing of property in a place where you would generally not want to place to stay i mean um rent park ridge go towards krugersdorp that was really not ideal to stay that side a few years ago till the N14 was built. Now it takes you about 35 minutes to drive from that side, 35 to 40 minutes to drive from that side to Pretoria, where it would have been an hour and a half, almost two hours. Mm-hmm. That is, again, trying to not put too much pressure on some of the infrastructure, which is, you know, your water, yeah. your sanitization, trying to spread um, uh, the population. We, we've got vast land and it's not being used. And if we're able to spread out and have infrastructure that still allows interconnectedness, then that would be a battle half won uh, as far as developing small cities and basically trying to create, um, you know, a, a just society. Mm. Yeah. Look, we we speak about we speak about um, building, developing this infrastructure, and I think case of Germany, it's, it's one that is interesting. But when you look at countries like Germany, this developed world, they function under a very secure. Um, energy supply, if you like, and you spoke about ESCOM earlier on, and they're thriving in that. For you to park your car, as you said, and not avoid the National Road 14 and 14 in Johannesburg, Krugersdorp, um, and park it, go into a train, that needs some level of, um, again, energy infrastructure. <laughs> we build, but it seems to me, I don't know about you, Shang, but it seems to me, we are somehow failing in maintaining this infrastructure. How did you get here? I mean, we spoke at length about um, the the whole uh, um, uh, load shedding uh, thing uh, in the previous two shows. But in terms of infrastructure, it seems like we built, but we can't maintain. And now we're here. Yeah, look, um, th- that becomes quite a very interesting challenge. Um, and it actually one that would be coming from the top in my view it's it's top down and bottom up because what you then would really need to see there is visionary leadership is, is visionary leadership and political will to sustain mm-hmm. those i mean i think the prasa is one case where that's the passenger rail, rail, rail agency yeah where it it used to be extremely cheap for people staying into townships to come to work in town because trains were affordable they were readily available and we've seen that infrastructure uh, 
disintegrate and, and it deliberated to, 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 to nothing. And that speaks to us being able to, to maintain the infrastructure that we have. And I think when we look at this political will and the visionary leadership, there's a very critical component, which I think is very one of the third pillar to keep this triangle strong. It is patriotism and active citizenry. That is ensuring that the people that are staying in these communities are protecting the schools, are protecting the stations. I mean, if you've seen the, the, the station in um, the train stations in Soweto, they've dilapidated. You cannot tell me that nobody saw that happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so they, but now, when people are going to protect the infrastructure, there is also a view that, look, uh, why? I mean, why am I bothering myself? Because the money that they save, they're just going to go and steal it, right? So, and unfortunately, that's a very attitude, bad attitude to have. But I think with the reality that we've seen, uh, we, which requires us to have very bold, uh, visionary leadership, we need to have serious political will. And I think on the political will, it actually quite extends quite far. Because what you've seen is the history that, or the issues we've had histor uh, historically uh, would have been, you know, with the perceived corruption and the perceived theft, would have been actually a ramping up of laws uh, that... Uh, basically are there to prevent uh, theft, which we've seen them actually work the opposite. Mm -hmm. Some of this infrastructure that is dilapidating, it's because the people that are being put to be responsible for them basically cannot procure to keep that infrastructure running because, you know, they're scared of a certain commission. You know, a VUSI commission might come <laughs> up in 2025. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there's so many now laws that come in. And I think the easiest indicator of some of these laws, actually, if you go look at the National Treasury's state of, uh, Statement of Revenue Expenditure and Borrowing, there is a line item there called surrenders. If you look at 1718, it was about 10.4 billion, 1819, 16.7 billion, 1920, it went down to about 11.5 billion, 2021, it went to about 14.1 billion, 21-22, it went to 24.4 billion, for 22-23, still, un they budgeted 9.9 .9 billion, but the unaudited numbers are still, I mean, reflecting something around the 19 billion, 19.7 billion mark. How does this surrender? Is it money being it, given back? It is money that was given to institutions or arms of government to deliver certain programs and unspent, and it needs to be sent back to the fiscals. Sure. Let me take you back. <clears throat> I think in the opening you spoke about um, the leadership. You, you say... Yeah, I think at the crux, at the heart of our of the challenges that we have, it's it's leadership, and and uh, you made a parallel comparison of how life was then with infrastructure now. Are you by any chance suggesting, Shanga, that um, the then apartheid government? I'm not sure which era you're comparing to, was uh, much better at maintaining infrastructure than the new uh, democratic government. I, I'm referring to the early democratic government. Oh, <laughs> just to be clear. Just <laughs> the to early be clear. democratic government. Yeah. And I think the best case studies that one can go look at is the, um, is the, the Mozambique and for uh, Corridor, which was possibly from inception to finalization took about three years. Uh, these days we are lucky to buy a pen in government uh, in three years mm. because that is how stringent the procurement regulations have been to obviously deter some of the historical ills that we've seen, but also at the expense of, you know, infrastructure delivery, infrastructure maintenance. Uh, and to some degree, the, uh, the infrastructure is being hindered by legislation. Mm. And it, it gets to such a painful point that I have actually had people saying that the other regime was better. And, and that is a worrying point. It basically says we have reached such a dilapidation in infrastructure, yeah. we would rather go back to oppression just to have the same infrastructure. Yeah. So, so that sends a very painful message. That sends a message that if, if our, our leaders are really not listening to it, it's a bit of a problem because it says we have given up and it is very hard to have active citizenry uh, uh, when you have such an attitude because you've basically lost hope. Right. And I think at the core of everything, cope and confidence basically is at the core of building and, and, and growth. So, um, yeah, I, I think basically that that becomes uh, the challenge that we face.
Sia Bonga Shange on the Midday Conversation African Insight. <clears throat> Excuse me, Ubuntu Radio and you are live joining us wherever you are. Welcome to the show. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we continue with our conversation. What is Africa? Is it the wildlife, the beautiful coasts, thriving cities? It is more than that. It is the people. Our 55 countries have many things in common. Our cultures bind us together. They give us strength and identity. They make us proud. By sharing our knowledge and working together, we are building a new Africa that's driven by investments, by game-changing infrastructure projects, and using transformative technology to change the way we live work and conduct business. Using our largest natural resource, our vast arable land, we are making advances in agriculture, developing new industries, creating jobs and improving livelihoods. Together, we are moving forward on economic integration. By consolidating Africa's significant internal market to foster trade within the continent and with the world, Africa is open for business. We are building the Africa we want. So, what is the continent of the future? The answer is Africa. tuned in to Ubuntu Radio, South Africa's Public Diplomacy in Action. And my name is Vusi Maupau. You're in the Midday Conversation, African Inside. It's a beautiful Friday afternoon in South Africa. Welcome and uh, we hope you're good wherever you're joining us. Uh, we're having a beautiful conversation here uh, with uh, Siabonga Shange about the role of infrastructure in promoting investment and economic growth in South Africa and particularly in Africa. Uh, it's yeah. Let us know what your thoughts are. Um, on hashtag Midday Conversation AI and tag Ubuntu Radio ZA on our social media platforms will be able to uh, engage with you there. And uh, yeah, so, well, uh, Sia, you you mentioned interesting things about the hindrance of 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 infrastructure, and especially when you're looking at the, the townships. And I like that because it speaks to the men on the ground. And, and why it's not it's not growing. But there's this phenomenon of, of I'm not sure if it's part of the supply constraints that you spoke about. When a job, I don't want to call it a tender, when a job needs to be done in a community, right, you'd find that they say we need to build a road from there to the clinic. And we have competent people that are coming to build a road. And the community will protest and say, no, the road can't be built unless we are part of it. And some would refer to these as uh, construction mafias that are trying to, 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 um, to, to, to stop that. I mean, some would argue that they have a valid point. Development should be from the community. But what message does it send to the infrastructure that has been built, also the quality um, of the infrastructure that is being built, given that some of these guys may not be necessarily qualified in the space, but they would want to end the benefits of being participating in the development of those roles. Yeah. Um, I, I think that it's actually very critical to separate criminal elements to genuine concerns. Sure. Right? Um, and I, I, I can boldly say it's 97% genuine concerns and 3% criminal elements. But the 3% can easily uh, go and influence and have their way with the masses, right? Mm. So when you are going to go, it, it, going back to that active citizenry and having a sense of ownership and being able to protect the infrastructure. When this infrastructure, uh, I would even call it the social license to operate. You don't work around communities, you work with the communities. Yeah. Um, and when this, they're involved in the building of the road, they're involved in the building of the school and the library, which their kids go to, there's a sense of pride, there's a sense of ownership, which is, I think is what you need, because you cannot deploy police and military everywhere to cut the infrastructure. The people that have built the infrastructure and that are benefit from the, the infrastructure should be the ones that are going to sit there and defend that infrastructure. That is basically 
involving the community, I would call that a social license to operate, and it creates a sense of pride uh, and uh, uh, you know patriotism that we actually genuinely need for the active citizen to to come and and um, and, and participate in the economy. Uh, and then there's criminal elements, mm. and and those should you know be identified as such, right? Uh, you must get bodyguards for me before I leave the building. I'm going to say things now. You say so, <laughs> you're the most you're so, at the, one of the most safest building in Tuan. So you say. So 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 now looking at that, um, so instead of punching everyone and calling everyone a criminal, the institution for which uh, I serve uh, took a different approach, and it said, "Look, let us look at the genuine concerns. What are the concerns of the community? Let us create a stakeholder relations." Uh, let us have people on the ground. You don't build, you know, you don't build uh, a road in an office and then ship it there. You need to be sitting there in the community with the people. So you go look at the genuine concerns. So some of the concerns was there was a treasury regulation which required 30% um, subcontracting to locals. Mm. And we had an interesting definition of local. Because for us, local is South Africa. But to the men on the ground, local is as far as the eye can see. So in my village in in KZN, MC Inga, uh, if a subcontractor comes from a kumbu, <laughs> yeah. you are not local. So so then that obviously created and that just required a bit of explanation, right? And so while we say the subcontracting company might be coming from a you know a different town while local, um, to what degree does it now come and transfer the skills? Maybe they would have gained a skill in their own town because of the road they built. Now they are passing on the skill to the local people. How many local people will be hired? How many quarries that will be built in the local area or, or used from the local area? So having that context is quite critical. And now, and having people on the ground, engaging communities, understanding the community needs, if you already have equipment in the area, um, and the biggest concern is, we don't have water and you are able to use some of that equipment to dig a borehole for the community to have the water that is your social license to allow you to come in there and 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 operate and then you recruit the local people to come and work as you know semi-skilled and unskilled labor or whatever the qualifications that they have mm. obviously understanding that we are one south africa so and at some point you might once this road in your village is finished you might have to go build a road in Limpopo. And there needs to be an appreciation that we are one South Africa. So, and now, the people that are delivering the projects on the ground, them running ahead, showing the plans for the community in terms of what we plan to build, how much would it cost, what are the benefits for the, for, for the community, and what we bring. And then also hearing from them, what are their challenges and how can we help. Then that greatly allows us to be able to actually get rid of that very small criminal element that might want to come and take advantage of a situation. Mm. That's that's quite in insightful, sir. And I think these are issues we sit with daily and uh, we see them in the communities. Um, and I think those that will be going to do a road in Msinga, um, they'll now know what to do, present your plans and do what needs to be done. Uh, in there, but uh, taking this to a global scale now, uh, not global state to continental scale, um, you know, South Africa is pretty much advanced when it comes to um, physical infrastructure. If you compare to a few um, other uh, African countries, right? Uh, what what's the sense of uh, the, the the trajectory or projections of infrastructure development uh, in 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 the continent? If we are not careful, we'll fall behind. We, we have done well as a country. Uh, we have been the so-called, you know, entrance to Africa, you know, from, from uh, other, other countries. Uh, we have been basically the tunnel because of the great, you know, infrastructure uh, that we are able to get, you know, stuff through their parts and so on. But if we are not careful, we will definitely fall behind. And I think that is a reality we need to be awake to. And the longer we take the worse the impact will be. So while uh, obviously we were quite advantaged by the transition, and I'll call it the smooth transition that happened from the two, you know, from the apartheid regime to the current regime, uh, it, it did not spiral into, well, obviously there were some isolated, you know, situations of violence and wars and cases mm -hmm. specifically where I grew up, 
but we did not, you know, you know, plummet into a civil war. Uh, and I think that is one of the things we should be grateful for and being able to take some of that infrastructure while the infrastructure was possibly not geared to take care of everyone because it was possibly reserved for the minority. Uh, we can take teachings from that and expand that yeah. and be able to grow and, and, and still continue to be uh, that big uh, corridor to Africa for all, uh, you know, Asia and, and, and uh, the East. So there's potential for Africa to expand. And if you're an investor and you wanted to invest, the place to invest, are you saying it's Africa? Look, there is massive potential. Massive potential. Massive potential in Africa. Uh, massive potential, uh, obviously, in sub-Saharan Africa. There's so much stuff that still needs to be done. Where, when you go, basically, in, in what I'll call developed countries, I'll say they're at a point of overheating. Because, you know, so much has been put to the ground. It's a matter of maintenance and there's possibly not that much opportunities that could be, uh, you know, tangible and multipliers uh, yeah. in terms of wealth. But in Africa, there is massive potential. There is massive infrastructure that still needs to be expanded. We have, um, and I think there's a bridge that was built now between, um, it's called the Kazungula Bridge. That also brings a, a massive uh, opportunity as far as trade between uh, South Africa and um, and Botswana. Mm. Uh, obviously, of copper coming from uh, what is this country just over? Is it is it um, is it Zambia? Over us, I think it's oh. Zambia. Yeah, we, we must fact check that. Yeah, but but there is that massive bridge that has been built there. That creates an opportunity for South Africa to take some of that copper that is coming down from there through to Botswana down through to our ports as we do have uh, one of the best ports in Durban and in Richards Bay and we are quite strategically uh, located considering that most of the consumers of this copper is actually sitting on that side of the world which is going to be China, India, Japan, mm. uh, those are the biggest you know, uh, consumers of, of the product. So that there is still massive uh, you know, pot potential. There is obviously the, the rail infrastructure that needs to be brought back to life and resuscitated. Uh, that also brings quite a, a massive potential that would allow for, for the growth. And there was an article written by Uwandile Strobo, uh, Agricultural and Environmental um, Environment and Natural Resources. It says, roads and ports efficiency should be the priority in supporting South Africa's agricultural growth. Mm. That again goes back to talking to all the ground infrastructure to say, yes, we are producing. Uh, we are not exporting as well as we should because the infrastructure is possibly not as good as it should be. Mm. So the parts, are, you know, the volumes that they should be taking, the roads are obviously under strain, as you would know, because we have stuff like coal and manganese that is actually sitting on roads that should be sitting on rail. Uh, that also, while, a, while it is a problem, it also creates massive opportunities. Oof. Say that again. While it's a problem. It creates massive opportunities. That's beautiful. So, yeah, if you're an investor, something to look out for infrastructure. Whilst we have our problems, as we highlighted them at the beginning, definitely are opportunities for you to um, do the right thing and uh, invest in infrastructure in South Af Africa because... One, one, one guy once said, if there's a good time to uh, be on the top of the elephant, it's when it's sitting down. And when it rises, it rises with you. So that's the picture that you're looking at when you're looking at Africa. We are slowly but surely going uh, to rise. Uh, Minus the challenges, political uh, wills, and then all the challenges that we are facing uh, in the in the continent, we're definitely gonna make it through. Uh, Shange, I don't want us to go in there, but someone might uh, just quickly: uh, is this is this a good time to even start about talking about um, IT infrastructure or technological infrastructure, whilst we're still struggling to talk about to 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 get the roads right? Look. Um I, 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 don't, I don't think one would say you must not fix the roof because the wind, you are still busy with the windows. Oof, this guy's blowing, is <laughs> throwing fires today. So, um, so, yeah. yeah. So, so as part of the infrastructure, it is quite a very critical one. And I think there is many case studies on that that has been seen. 
and, and the interconnectedness and you know the opportunities that it also brings and i think spectrum was a big thing not so long ago in terms of uh, you know government wanted to auction spectrum that i think speaks very closely to that ict infrastructure that needs to be looked at and it also still uh, as you said it's still a sitting elephant mm. sangi i'm an investor uh, once again as you said this show it's um, it's aimed at executives business and and everyone i'm an investor and i have uh, cash to splash in africa should i invest yes thank you shange <laughs> that is siabonga shange our guest for today on the midday conversation african inside go and uh, react what you thought of the show hashtag midday conversation ai on twitter do hashtag uh, the ubuntu radio that is ubuntu radio za on the social media platforms will be able to engage with you there and in closing shange before we let you go uh, those that want to engage with you further and they want to um pick the conversation up or maybe want to follow some of the work you do how do they do that yeah i'm i'm rather very you know techno savvy as far as social <laughs> media as one comrade stated that i love peace but uh, <laughs> i do participate in quite a lot of you know events uh you know investor related you know bonds and loans there is the south africa kenya conference happening in Dubai from the 31st of 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 May um uh, can i drop my email address please by all means yeah it's shange which is s h a n g e s at n r a c o z a um shange s at n r a c o z a shange is spelled s h a n g e and then there's an s at n r a c o z a So that is if you want to engage through the office of of the central treasury um just to see what projects are on the pipeline uh, what is shovel ready what are our funding plans uh, where do we basically sit as an entity in a very critical one at that as i always refer to us as the arteries of of uh, the economic activity in the country yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't survive without blood vessels <laughs> and veins sure so yeah that you can reach me through there um But yeah, otherwise you just stop me in the street if you can recognize me. <laughs> That is Shange S at nra.co.za if you want to reach uh, and have a conversation on a formal basis. But I will gain such a map on the social media and see if you can be lucky to uh, find Siabonga Shange the uh, manager or treasurer manager at uh, South African uh, I think it's Sandral. I just forgot the full name, but yes, uh, Sandral will suffice for now. <laughs> All right, uh, that's what we had for you. On the conversation with Siabonga. Let's take a quick break and when we return, we'll continue the next segment of the show. It's Sekbin Bush. Sekbin Bush. All over your radio. This is Pastime Paradise. You get the best of my love for the rest of my life. Tea connection. Now still to come, we have the Pastime Paradise uh, power play and today our feature the mystery artist of the day is Bag So I'm going to be giving you clues as to who our mystery artist of the day is and you tell me who this artist is, right? <laughs> But for now I'm going to be playing you two songs, one South African, one American. The baseline is almost the same. So you tell me. You tell me if South African music is not the best. Yes, Papa Mahene. I'm still in love with you. Pastime Paradise, Sundays, 12 to 3 p.m. Central African Time. We just couldn't make it. Welcome back to the Midday Conversation African Insight with myself Vusi Maupa coming to you live from the our studios in Pretoria the Department of International Relations and Cooperation so good to be with you and thank you so much for joining us up to this point uh, we hope you did enjoy the conversation with Siabonga Shange on the role of infrastructure uh, in the uh, development of our continent communities and of course our nations uh, countries South Africa for us that are here and uh, what are you going to do with this information let us know hashtag the midday conversation ai and if there are challenges infrastructure related that you are seeing in the community would like to know about those as well right now we're going to cross over to our economics uh, economist 
will join us on the line to give us the insight on the African market. How are the markets looking? And good afternoon to our listeners. You're listening to Sitole with Insight on African Markets jumping right straight to it. Zimbabwe frees up grain trade and opens up door for private sector. The private sector will fund three quarters of Zimbabwe's wheat crop this year, playing a growing role in agriculture as the government opens up the sector to boost food security. About 76% of the planned 2023 wheat hectare would be funded by the private sector. The balance will be funded directly by the government through its various input support schemes as well as some self-financing farmers. President Emerson Mnanango, who replaced Mugabe in a 2017 coup, has gradually opened the doors for the private sector, including banks, to fund the production of staples such as maize, wheat, and soybeans. After a record-breaking harvest of 375,000 tons of wheat in 2022, the government is targeting 408,000 tons this year. World Bank suspends one billion U.S. dollars worth of project funding in Congo. The World Bank has suspended funding for humanitarian and development projects in the Democratic Republic of Congo worth more than one U.S. billion dollars after the government dissolved the project fund without warning. The suspension will affect 600,000 beneficiaries, including victims of sexual violence, the World Bank told Congo's finance minister last week. On May 4th, Congolese President Felix dissolved the structure of the Social Fund of the Democratic Republic of Congo by presidential order and created another public fund. The change was due to the evolution of the legal framework governing public institutions, according to his statement. Nigeria to commission Dangote refinery since there is a crude supply concern. Nigeria Dangote Petroleum Refinery will be commissioned on Monday amid hopes of the end to the country's recurring fuel shortages, but a lack of crude supply poses a major risk to achieving its full production. Despite being Africa's biggest oil producer, Nigeria imports petrol, diesel, and processed petroleum products because its refineries were run down over the years. The government of the outgoing President Buhari sees the 650,000 barrels a day refinery as the answer to repeated fuel shortages, the latest of which hit the country in the run-up to February disputed presidential election. The refinery needs a constant supply of crude, but Nigeria's oil production has been declining due to oil theft, vandalism of pipelines and underinvestment. The refinery has not signed an agreement to buy oil from majors in Nigeria. The South African Reserve Bank hiked interest rates once again, making it the 10th increase in a row. The South African Reserve Bank, Liseja Khanyako, made the announcement on Thursday following the bank's monetary policy meeting. The 50 BPS hike to the repo rate means that the repo rate will now increase to 8.25% and the prime lending rates to 11.75% in the country. This increases the 10th consecutive increase since the start of 2022, with South Africans seeing the repo rate rise from 3.75% at the start of January 2022. The World Bank gives Mozambique $150 million for Cyclone Freddy recovery. In order to assist Mozambique in funding its recovery operations after Cyclone Freddy, the World Bank has transferred $150 million of the funds it had designated for the projects in that country. One of the deadliest storms to strike the continent in the previous 20 years was Freddy. In late February, it tore through Malawi, Mozambique and Madagascar before turning around and hitting land again in March. In the area, more than 1,000 fatalities were reported. The World Bank said that the money would help the Mozambican government to restore transport infrastructure and provide services including water, sanitation, healthcare, and education. The funds are drawn from the World Bank existing projects in Mozambique and are separate from the 300 million granted approved in July last year. The money consists of 100 million in grant money and 50 million in credit extended by the bank. It's a wrap for me. Catch us again next week. Same place, same time on DSTV Channel Triple Eight. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much. That was Sipesi Shestole giving us the African insight on the African market. Yeah, things are not looking good, especially for us. Sipesi did highlight in the South Africa and hope things are going to pick up soon after the whole cycle uh, tries to recover from what we're going through at the moment. So, um, we, as we always do, we like to give you a sense of what was this uh, week or this day in history. And as most of you uh, would have celebrated yesterday, African Day, I saw 
beautiful people wet, uh, dressed in uh, different uh, traditional attires celebrating the African Day on the 25th of May 2023. Uh, that was the African Day for this year. And this is an annual celebration of achievements, uh, diversity and economic potential in the African continent. And if history has me right, I think this day was first celebrated in 1958. And only, I think, uh, eight independent countries were invited to the celebration at the time. And then there was a conference that aimed to uh, to be a collective platform where newly independent African uh, or newly independent African countries could form uh, a part of as part of the post-colonial uh, legacy or way to uh, develop as the Africa. And I think it was around 1963 uh, the number of independent countries then had increased to about 32. Uh, moving from 8 to 32 and these countries met in Utopia, Ethiopia uh, pardon me, the Ethiopian capital uh, city to form the organization of what is now known as the Organization of African Unity otherwise known as OAU that was then in 1963 uh, in 2001 the Organization of African Unity was dissolved and replaced by the African Union uh, as we now know it uh, this new formation uh, is aimed now to address a new set of problems of the continent through development, uh, peace, as well as security. Since then, since the formation of this new um, structure, we have the African Union that has used the day to launch, uh, the, the 25th of May, to launch a series of programs focusing on issues encountered within the continent. Uh, I think he, uh, yesterday, I think the former president of South Africa, Tabum Big, was addressing uh, somewhere. Um, and these are some of the things that uh, are done to commemorate uh, the African Day. Uh, that we do have as a, as a celebration. Yeah, that's what we have for you on the, the what what uh, what was this week or what was the, today and as far as this particular show is concerned. A quick break and when we return, we're going to say bye-bye to you. It's Sek Bin Bush. Sek Bin Bush. All over your radio. This, this is Pastime Paradise. You get the best of my love for the rest of my life. Tea connection. Now, still to come, we have the Pastime Paradise uh, power play. And today, I uh, feature the mystery artist of the day is back. So, I'm going to be giving you clues as to who our mystery artist of the day is. And you tell me who this artist is, right? <laughs> but for now, I'm going to be playing you two songs. One South African, one American. The bass line is almost the same. So, you tell me. You tell me if South African music is not the best. Yes, Papa Machene. I'm still in love with you. Pastime Paradise, Sundays, 12 to 3 p.m. Central African Time. We just couldn't make it. Welcome back. Thank you for staying with us. Uh, this is the final part of the show where we say goodbye to you. Uh, so sad to leave you, uh, but we are so glad that we did shed little or contribute a little that we had uh, prepared for you. And we hope and sincerely hope that you did enjoy uh, spending time with us because we sincerely did on the side of uh, this uh, equator that is Pretoria. And uh, anything that we probably miss, do uh, tag us, hashtag the Midday Conversation AI or go and tag Ubuntu Radio ZA. Looking forward to those conversations. We can't wait for next week. We'll be back next week to talking more issues that pertain that affect your life that affects your pockets that affects your day on day living issues that relate to investment and the risks that perhaps could be looked at we will be back again next week same time same place until then have a good day and thank you to our spectacular producer Mbegazelo for putting this show together and on the technical side thank you to Sean uh, sincere thanks imbued with the deepest sense of gratitude to our guest today Siabonga Ashange for joining us thank you uh, Majobe for giving us those African insight and of course thanks to you biggest thanks to you for tuning in and staying with us until now until then bye bye <music>